Hi, everybody. Um, it's nice to be here with you again. And uh, today I have a special treat for you. I always have a special treat for you, but today it truly is a special treat. It is my dear friend, Steve Anderson. I met uh, Steve Anderson about two years ago um, in, a, in a seminar that we did together. And one thing that immediately struck me about Steve is when he's one of those quiet geniuses <laughs> that roam <laughs> the earth. Hi, Steve. Peter, great to be here. And uh, actually, thank you for that. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't heard that before, but I appreciate that. It's great being with you. It truly is. It truly is. Um, uh, yeah, he, he used to be at least a quiet genius. Now he's, he's the author of a book. And um, I also found out that he's a LinkedIn influencer. So maybe he's not as quiet. You're not as quiet as I originally thought. <laughs> and well, I do get out there a little bit. so It looks like it. Um, what's your following like in LinkedIn? Do you have a number? Yeah, I have about 340,000 followers on LinkedIn. Oh, that's not too bad. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a few. Yeah, yeah. There's some others with more, but uh, that's a pretty good number. And yeah. what I like about you, Steve, that those um, followers come to you because you are an expert on risk. On risk. I that's am. That's correct, right? Yeah. That is correct. Yes. And now you've taken this thing to a whole new level because since I first asked, um, talked to you about interviewing you, you have actually published a book which is called The Bezos Letters, 14 Principles to Grow Your Business Like Amazon, which to me sounds like a, a, a must-read book for any person in a management or executive position. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. And, and what I did, Peter, with this is um, actually as over the last couple of years and some of what you and I talked about in the training – I've been looking at the relationship of risk-taking and businesses and technology development and growth. And as I was literally the last three years been researching and thinking about that, I came across certainly Amazon. Um, that's pretty easy. But even more importantly, I came across the 21 letters to shareholders that Jeff Bezos has written starting in 1997. So every year that they were a public company, he wrote a letter, uh, some shorter, some longer, where he literally laid out his plan for growing Amazon. And as I read them and then reread them and then examined them, and I, I really did a deep dive, I, I realized he had laid out what I call hidden in plain sight, his plan for growing Amazon, that I believe the principles, which is where I came up with the 14 principles to grow your business like Amazon, that any business can use. And still looking at it through the lens of risk. So I, I call Jeff Bezos the master of risk because what he's done is learn how to strategically use risk taking to grow. Uh, and I think that is a relationship that for many, if not most businesses, um, they haven't thought of risk taking in that way. No, usually what we think about in, in business terms, where we think of risk is something to be avoided. You know, you avoid risk and you make sure that every single decision has got a high degree of certainty which sometimes it can cripple a business and it can cripple decisions because 
there is no such thing as certainty in business. Um, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, and I think uh, so. Um, uh, actually, the first principle I call six, uh, encourage successful failure. And uh, long story behind that that I go into the book, but what that concept is that is that to grow in business, you have to experiment. You don't know what the customer wants. You don't know what products you should develop. You don't know what processes are going to be best or what platforms you might need to build. You need to experiment. And by its very nature, an experiment requires failure. Because if it's an experiment and you don't fail, it's not an experiment. If you know what's going to happen, it's not an experiment. And one of the things that Bezos has built into the core mindset at Amazon uh, is the idea of, again, another principle, um, dynamic invention and innovation. And so those two things actually work together. And Bezos says in one of his letters that Amazon is the best place to fail. Uh, because they know failure leads to success. And again, lots of stories that we can get into or not, but um, around what that concept actually means. And so most no businesses... One, but no one likes failure. How do, I, we, how do we handle that psychologically? And, and that's absolutely true. And it really is building a culture within the organization that says step out, expand your thought. Yes, we know there are going to be some failures, but what do you learn from that that you can take into other products and services? And, and let me be clear here. Um, when I say successful failure, this is not willy-nilly throw every caution to the wind, right? right. It's, it, it's intentional. It's thoughtful. Um, and well, the way I phrase it in the book is that Amazon is intolerant of incompetence. So oh, I see. there's a high level, high standard there. They expect your best, but they know that if you're pushing the boundaries, that everything's not going to work. But, and he says this over and over again in his letters to shareholders, we know that those failures are going to lead to some of Amazon's most su successful products. Uh, for example, Amazon Web Services uh, or the Kindle or uh, uh, Amazon Marketplace, their third-party seller platform. They actually had two other platforms that they tried first that were complete failures. Um, until they got it right in Marketplace. And now uh, Marketplace actually accounts. So these are third-party sellers on the Amazon platform selling products to customers. That accounts for 58% of Amazon's total sales. So it's a huge part of it. And think of the risk. They allowed other merchants on their platform to sell. Who takes a risk like that. They didn't know it was going to work and they charged a fee for those sellers to sell on their platform to their customers. So again, lot, I mean, it, the mindset there is so different that I think many businesses can learn what crazy ideas might we experiment with that could propel us even further as a business.
Well, that's great. I guess the question that comes up to me, I'm thinking about the manager that is in charge of, I don't know, 5,000 people or, or anything like of that nature where they're responsible for, for a lot of business decisions. What is, how do you know what is an acceptable level of failure at the end of the day? So Amazon has built in a couple things to help with that. Um, first, uh, their teams. Uh, so they have groups of people that come together as a team for a particular project or a particular idea. Well, first thing is those teams are no larger than what a two pizzas can feed. They actually call them two pizza teams. So they know or have determined that smaller teams work better and faster. Second, uh, PowerPoints are banned at Amazon. You cannot do a PowerPoint. In fact, quickest way to get fired, basically. But what they do is they require any new idea to be put into what's called, they call a six-page memo or a six-page narrative. And it starts with a press release for when the product, the service, the idea actually is released to the customer. And so they have a very thought through detailed plan before they even begin the experiment. So they have built in, let's think this through. So what's the press release look like? What are the common questions that people are going to ask about this product or service? And even very small things, uh, and very big things go through this same process. So it's actually a pretty well-defined process to pr what I call protect the downside of risk. Yeah. And, and then what happens if something doesn't work out the way they think it does, they actually have a great tool now to go back to that original six-page memo and ask the question, what did we get wrong in the memo? And so they iterate and learn from there. So it's, it's what I call the debrief, right? So they have the brief, which is the memo, and it becomes the debrief to say, hey, this worked well or this did not. Why? What can we change in the future? That's very interesting, isn't it? To start, to start yeah. with the press release of the product instead of the, with the obsession with the product that we normally see in organizations where they come up with, with oh, we've got this wonderful product. Now let's devise how we're going to sell it. It's almost like they go, tell us how you're going to sell it, and then we'll see if we, can, if we make the product or not. Well, and even maybe step back even a bit further, and the question is, are our customers going to like it, and why? What problem does this product service platform solve for our customer? And that, actually, that goes to another growth principle, which is obsess over customers. And so Amazon, you know, and the word obsess is their word. Uh, and, and when you think of obsess, obsessive, what, what do you think about? Yeah, something that you can't put down in your mind. You've you got to think of it. You yeah. have to. You have to. And, and some of it's negative, right? Somebody can yes. be so obsessive on something. But they are obsessive over customers. In fact, one of the phrases, again, used throughout his letters is, we invent on behalf of the customer. So think of Amazon Prime. Yeah. Right. Free shipping. Now, two day now coming, you know, soon, uh, one day in many areas, many areas. Yeah, there are. So Prime was a crazy idea. Everybody told them you cannot charge a 
annual fee for free shipping. It's just never been done. But Bezos in his mind said, one of the big uh, barriers to people ordering and buying online is shipping costs. So if we can remove that, what will happen? So they experimented and they found very obviously very positive returns. But Prime now has over 35 different services that are included. And none of those were asked by the customer. Amazon, people at Amazon came up with the idea, I think our customers would love video streaming as part of their Prime membership. I think people would love free Kindle books, so many Kindle books a month as part of their Prime membership. And it, it builds into that program that recurring revenue because people almost can't cancel Prime now because of so many things that are included. Well, also is is like a value overload, uh, overload, isn't it? It's just a yes. here's more value, here's more value, here's more value. So I came because of just you know the getting getting a great deal on shipping, but which is going to mean that I'm going to prefer Amazon over somebody else. Uh, right. And now there's all these other stuff, yeah, that, you, that you're bringing on board. Yeah, exactly. And again, every company that I've ever talked to knows customers are important. And we have lots of terms around that, customer service, customer experience, customer focus. But Amazon takes that to a different level when they obsess over customers. And uh, that is a core mindset and idea um, that Bezos has incorporated. And even when you look at Amazon, as large as they are, uh, every person I've talked to from Amazon that's a core idea that is just in their DNA, and that's what they focus on. Wow! And in a more practical, personal level, um, Steve, how has knowing this, this realization, this study of of Amazon, changed the way that you look at businesses, or that you interact with businesses? Well, I think you know, and again, I'll go back to a couple of principles. One of the other uh, growth principles is um, long term thinking. And so I think one of the downsides, certainly here in the U.S., um, I don't know in Australia for sure, but businesses typically focus on quarterly profits, certainly public companies here, because of the requirements of quarterly earnings calls. Bezos, from the very first letter in 1997, said, we will focus on long-term growth and we will sacrifice short-term profits for long-term growth. So one of the things that I think a lot of businesses need to be thinking more long-term and and not that short-term, how are my profits looking? Um, Because again, you look at Amazon, they lost money for many years because they were focused on investing in their infrastructure to be able to build the the platform that they needed in order to grow. And you look now, their growth has been exponential, both in number of employees, stock pricing, uh, you know, profits, all of the, the measurements. Um, a, a, little, a little story to let me illustrate Bezos' mindset on long-term thinking. Um, there is a clock being built right now in West Texas in the U.S., and it's called the 10,000-year clock. This is a clock that is designed to run for 10,000 years. 
It ticks one second every year. It ticks one minute every hundred years. And every thousand years, the cuckoo comes out. Okay. That is being built on Jeff Bezos' property, 300,000 plus acres in West Texas, and he is funding that. Now, you might think that's just a billionaire with more money than he knows what to do with and, yeah. you know, crazy project. But I, I believe it's an illustration of his thinking generationally, not this year, this quarter. Um, and, and, and it's a different mindset when you can think out that far. Well, that, that's, that's, that's a completely new way of looking at business. And, and it, it's a very long-term way of looking at life. Uh, but, you know, one of the, the, the objections to that would be, yeah, that's fine for Jeff Bezos that has been able to command millions, billions of dollars in investment funds. But what about my business? What about where I don't have those, that large amounts of funds? I may not be able to, to, to take a hit in the profit or profitability of my business in a quarter um, in exchange for the five-year future of it. But how can I apply the, the Bezos kind of thinking to my business then? So it's a, that's a great question. And I, I would actually, again, go back to 1995 when Bezos first started Amazon. Uh, he started with a $300,000 loan from his parents and invested that, got additional investors, ended up uh, being able to get about a million dollars to get going in those first few years. And then 97 went public, got, got some more money. So he didn't start out with billions of dollars. Um, and and in the 97 letter, uh, I actually, you know, and I do this in the book, I actually go through the 97 letter that he wrote and highlight every one of the 14 principles. So he was already thinking even when he didn't have money. Yeah. And, and I think that's an important point. His thinking was there first to how to build a business that's focused on the customer and how do I do long-term thinking? Now, you're right. If I don't have a lot of money right now, I may not be able to invest, but that doesn't mean I can't think and plan for next year, for five years, for 10 years, maybe even for 50 years down the road. And what might that look like? And the question is, what can I do today to help me make those small steps to be able to prepare for and be ready for that 50 year, 25 year, whatever those milestones are. So it's not all about having the money. I think a lot of it's the mindset and the thinking process. And as a business owner, how do you incorporate that mindset into the employees you bring into your organization? That's good. Yeah, I can see that. Now, what do you, what would you say is one of the, the common mistakes that business people, managers, business leaders tend to make around customer service and, and risk then? What are some of the more common ones that sometimes could be easy to fix if we just had some awareness? Uh, yeah, actually, um, I think one thing that I don't see many businesses doing that I think could be really helpful and almost no cost. It's what I call secret shoppers. So there are lots of those out there. But do you really understand as a business owner what your prospect or customer goes through in their interactions with you? And my my view, again, having worked with many different kinds of businesses, is that most business owners don't have any idea. 
And what can you do as a business owner to remove the friction in the transaction? So what can I do if somebody goes on your website? Are you following up with them right away? Um, if what can you do to invent on behalf of the customer to remove the problems, the bumps in the road that they experience? And I think that's more important today than ever. Certainly with online, digital, our smartphones, what, you know, people are used to being able to do things quickly whenever they want. Is your business staying current? Uh, so one of my other growth principles is accelerate time with technology. So what I mean there is what technology tools are you incorporating into your business processes to help your customers want to do more business with you? So it's partly customer obsession, but it's actually looking at the processes that you're building. So have somebody you trust, maybe a, a family friend, maybe a business friend, call up your business. What's the experience? How long are you on hold? How quickly is the phone answered? Um, if you're looking for a quote uh, for some kind of product or service, how long does that take? Can I do it online? Right? All of those points act, you know, if you can start fixing those, whatever those points might be, that could be a great benefit. That, that sounds like a brilliant idea. I, I am always surprised at how often I go into a business where the person serving me doesn't even take the time to smile at me. <laughs> yes. I'm thinking these, these people are losing money simply because of not smiling at the customer when they arrive. You know, um, it, you know and that's so important. A, a quick story, Peter, that uh, there's a fast food restaurant here in the U.S. I don't believe they're overseas. I don't know that for sure, but it's called Chick-fil-A. And it's a chicken sandwich, fast food. Um, and they have a culture. Now think about fast food, right? Yes. I don't often expect a great experience ordering at a fast food because it's usually, you know, a kid, have they been trained well? Chick-fil-A, uh, on average, their uh, stores have double the revenue of the closest fast food restaurant, which is McDonald's. Wow. Double. One of the things, double per square foot of revenue. One of the things they do they do a couple, but one of them is every one of their employees is taught and trained to say, if you say, thank you, they say, my pleasure, or it's my pleasure. Nice. Simple phrase. And they, they walk around at peak lunch and they ask, can I get a refill for your drink? Can I, I mean, it's people flock there. The food's okay. It's good. Yeah. But it's the experience. And, and just to your point, smiling, engaging, training people to treat customers well. I, I think that's such a great point, Peter. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, a, that's a nice story. I didn't know that about Chick-fil-A. But that yeah. definitely works um, in showing respect and consideration. In a technical field society, we want to feel human. We want to be respected and acknowledge a human, which is why, you know, my passion in, in, in well-being and mental health. But uh, um, I'm, I'm loving our conversation. 
I can't wait now to get my hands on your book, Steve. <laughs> well, I might be able to make that happen in, uh, in a very short period of time. So, I, uh, Yeah, I want to see that. The, the Bezos letters, 14 principles to grow your business like Amazon. Uh, amazing. I started the interview thinking we were going to talk about risk and we've gone into risk and we've gone into customer service and we've gone into, into even how to make your customers happier. Now, isn't that a, an excellent way to reduce the stress of your staff if they're making customers happy? And if, that's contagious, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. And, uh, you know, again, I think the, the mindset of uh, any business owner here is so key to engaging with your employees when they're engaged, when actually the way I would say it, so this whole idea of successful failure actually means the employees are going to be more engaged with helping your business because they know you've got their back. You know, too many businesses look at a failure as you know, you're terrible, you're bad, you didn't know what you were doing versus everybody fails. In fact, crazy as it sounds, Bezos says, and he, he said in his 2018 letter, his most recent, Amazon needs to grow the size of their failures as their business grows. And we need to be pushing that envelope to figure out what's next. And what a great way for a business owner to, to I say engage with your employees, but but bring their employees into the business and get them that their your employees probably have better ideas than you ever did, and and this is a way to bring them in, help them help the business, and in the, at the same point, they're going to be more engaged, they're going to be happier, their mental health, their mental wealth is going to be so much higher. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. And what's your take now? Uh, I, I really feel that mental health in, in the workplace at the moment, it's, it's a tsunami. It's a tsunami and it's coming. From a risk perspective, what have you seen, Steve? Well, from the negative side, um, you know, certainly here in the U.S., again, that, that's my frame of reference. But, you know, there are just too many workplace violent acts. And that's just a small indicator of a problem within the workforce now with businesses. You know, it, it, everybody's focused on, on profits and growing, and, and that's important, but taking care of your employees. Um, I, have a, I have a friend here uh, locally that they've done a great job of building a culture within their organization. Uh, Michael Hyatt, Michael Hyatt and Company, a leadership training firm, but they provide their employees with unlimited PTO, uh, time off. Yeah. They provide six weeks of maternity um, for, for both uh, husband and wife. Uh, and, and, you know, either one, right? I mean, uh, depending on who's working there. Um, they have a culture of openness. They have, that um, they've really built, uh, it's sort of my, microcosm of a company that's doing a great job of building a culture where employees are engaged and and excited about coming to work because they're doing important things they're supported by the team um, and and so that to me is just an example so we see kind of the negative side of what happens when you don't pay attention to that uh, but also I'm starting to see more and more companies like Hyatt and Company, who are really focused on employee welfare, and and it's not just altruism. 
there's a connection between an engaged, happy, productive employee and profitability. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Thank you very much uh, for your time and your generosity of spirit, Steve. Um, I'm sure that whoever's watching this video has enjoyed as thoroughly as I have enjoyed it. Um, it's a, a beautiful interview, uh, full of wisdom. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and what you have learned from, from the Bezos letters, you know, um, yeah. um, if you're listening, if you're watching this and you've reached the end, uh, we encourage you to press the like button. So the YouTube bots know, know that people are watching and, and, uh, and appreciating this. Uh, also subscribe to our channel if you haven't done that yet. Uh, as you can see, the level and the, the quality of the people that we interview is fantastic. And uh, I've, again, Steve. And, and let me also say, if any of your listeners want more information, uh, yes. uh, they can go to thebezosletters.com. And got lots of resources and information there on the book and other things that they can get. So it's like several free things that they can uh, access there that uh, may help them start thinking about what these things might do for their business. And Steve, can they buy the book through that? Through that they link? can. Um, and they can, uh, the book will be available uh, wherever books are sold uh, September 17th. September um, 17th. Fantastic. Yep. And again, what's the link? The Bezos. The Bezos, B-E-Z-O-S, letters, L, uh, with an S on the end, dot com. The Bezosletters.com. The Bezosletters.com. Fantastic. And of course, it's available on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, of course, it has to be. <laughs> it's probably number one on Amazon already. Uh, well, it's getting up there. Not quite yet, but we're hoping. So right now, we can go and pre-order the book? The book is available for pre-order. Uh, absolutely. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you very much, Steve, for your time. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Peter. Great to have a conversation with you. No worries. Bye-bye.